You're tuned into Some Context Please, the podcast from the team here at Foundry Creative School. Our hope is to draw some contextual lines between what our students are learning and what's really happening out there in the world of professionals. This podcast is for anyone interested in having a career in the creative industries, so you certainly don't need to be a current Foundry student. So welcome, my name is Adam Grieve and I'm your guide for this season where we're exploring photography. I'm lucky to have been joined by several professionals along the way where we have discussed many of the fundamental principles new photographers need to be aware of when choosing to enter this diversely creative field. This is episode six in an eight episode season where we move from lighting in the studio to black and white images, different perspectives for using color and Dave's approach to workflow. As in the last episode, the meeting took place on Zoom, so some of the audio is a little up and down. I'd noticed when looking through Dave's website, he quite often chooses to shoot in black and white. Several questions popped into my mind. Firstly, whether he shoots in black and white from the outset, or if he chooses his images in post, identifying that a colour shot he'd taken would look good in black and white, which he then applies while editing. However, black and white photography for me can be used to tell such an impactful yet simple story. And my approach would be to shoot in black and white in the first place for the best results. Yeah, good. Very good question there. Because like you said, most people just think it's a matter of, you know, popping it into Photoshop and converting mm. it into, into black and white. But I, I personally think that there are two completely different types of photography. And yes, some would work in a conversion, like either, you know, color to black and white or black and white to color. But approaching it separately will definitely help you to become a better photographer. Uh, for me, black and white has a really special place in my heart because I did start on film and black and white film was uh, like when I did start professional photography, black and white film was a big part of it. And you really, really learn to observe light when you are shooting with, with black and white because black and white just takes everything out of what you're looking at and just leaves the absolute bare essentials, right? Which is just highlights and shadows and the tones of it and all of that. And I find that approach of just converting a picture doesn't do justice to a black and white photograph. And I would approach it in where if I want to do some black and white work, I would shoot specifically for that. So I would look for subjects that have a bit more contrast, you know, a bit more interest in shapes, you know, repetitive patterns or something that gives it a bit more impact totally just on like the visual look of the photograph and nothing to do with the colors. Because with color, you get distracted, right? Like something looks, you have this beautiful blue sky and you take a picture and it looks amazing and you convert it and it just looks, there's nothing, right? There's just like like a, a, a light gray in the sky and there's absolutely nothing to that image. Uh so with yeah, I would definitely approach it as two separate ways of taking pictures. Yeah. I would specifically go and look for that. And I in a black and white, I always expose. I tend to expose, not always. I tend to expose for the highlight and make sure that my shadows really drop down into like deep, rich blacks. And it's it's fine to have dark areas in a picture, like because of digital cameras and and Lightroom and Photoshop and all of that. We've all got used to you know pushing and pulling shadows and highlights and making this perfect looking image and all modern cameras they anyway shouldn't color right like unless you have 
some sort of camera that has been specifically converted for black and white. Uh, but the ones that shoot in color, you can always set the preview to monochrome. Uh, and like with any DSLR that anyone's using today, you can always set the preview to monochrome. It'll be in your picture picture profiles in, in the styles. And that way you can be photographing with a black and white in mind. And you also see your preview image on, on the back of the camera in black and white. You can craft your like lighting a little bit better by seeing what it's going to look like in, in the end. Also the term monochromatic photography, is there a difference between monochromatic and black and white or is it? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I, I would think like a, a monochromatic is like a single tone. So it does not have to be a black and white. It, it could be, you can shoot color images uh, like in, in, mono, in, in, in a monochromatic style. Like let's say if you're doing a studio shoot you can either shoot like you know high key high keys where everything is really blown out like all the the highlights are completely blown out and you, you can have them like if it's a person you can have the person like almost like you know like a porcelain sort of skin and then everything else blown out and that would in my mind be a monochromatic image because it does not have much color information in it it's a stylized version of a color photograph whereas yeah. in black and white has all these beautiful tones of whites and going all the way the different shades of gray all the way to black uh, so it's definitely not not just one one tone or one color it's just these beautiful different shades of white to black so do you think it was um ansel adams who was able to shoot in real black and white and how did he achieve some of those photos that he's achieved <sighs> yeah so I, I think with him i mean the, the like his dedication to the to the craft and, mm. and how the guy would just go out and, and do all these these pictures and take all these uh, like stunning landscapes uh, like yeah it was just stunning what he did and not many people were doing it at that time like I think he developed this like a scale of uh, the blacks and like the different shades of, of black and white and which is some something that he, he he really came up with this system of getting and if you look at any of his photographs the depth of of the tone yeah. is just unreal like you can't get that by just going around and converting uh, any old picture in, into into color like, no. in, uh, sorry any old color image into in, in into black and white like he really planned for what he was taking and he had so much of depth into in, in, into what what he was doing it was certainly the yeah. purest form of contrast depth and, yeah. and mood and everything wasn't it yeah it was all so he like his he he's he sort of used his uh like the shades like that, mm. that, that that's what, what what the guy was known for like so he he sort of broke it up into different uh shades of i think it was like nine or ten or something like that Mm. of the zones of like from white light gray darker gray all the way up to black and then he would you know just create this this masterpiece of of his moving on to color photography with so much mood and depth achieved through contrast between light and shadow in black and white i asked dave if he had any tips on shooting in color we've obviously looked at color from the perspective of the color wheel and how specific colors and combinations can evoke particular emotions However, I wanted to know a little bit more about what Dave's approach was here. Quite often, say when shooting a cityscape, it can be hard to find a complementary or similar colour combination, for example, with images often turning out quite busy and confusing. This might be an effect you're after, but we still need the story to emerge from the confusion. I wondered how Dave achieved this. I know that we speak about the colour wheel and uh, like you know basic concepts of these of color and it does help a lot like just having a bit of background knowledge on what sort of colors work 
and just making sure that it's like whatever you are photographing matches. Yeah. It just has, has a nice seamless sort of look to it. And like the tone, like the colder colors and the warmer colors. So that really affects the, the story that you're, you're going to tell. And like have like something like food, right? You really want to use warm tones, right? And it's not just by accident that all these pictures have this beautiful, warm, nice tones in it like where you feel that you can uh like almost smell or see what what exactly is is in that photograph like there is a decision taken to make to use these beautiful warm tones and the same way like for fashion like different kinds of fashion photography some would use very very cold colors for the slightly more edgy you know brands and then you get the others that would use the warmer tone so understanding how that is going to affect your pictures does take a bit of trial and error and just figuring out what exactly is going to work for you. Uh, but definitely knowing when to use what and at the most basic level, knowing the difference between like warmer and colder tones is going to help a lot. Some artists and, and some photographers out there do try to use colour as more of a sort of a conceptual device um, yeah, as well, not yeah. just sort of that they want to make something warm or, or something cooler. You know, they're really using colour and I, I think there's an example, Richard Moss did a um, shoot called The Enclave where he was using a different type of film application that essentially turned foliage bright pink and rivers, you know, yeah, um, no. that sort of thing. It was just how do you feel about Richard's um, use of colour in, in some of the images that he does yeah, when he's I mean, using I mean, as a, as a conceptual uh, thing, I like because he used, uh, uh, what, what's it called, like colour infrared film. Mm. I, I think it's just absolutely fabulous work. But it will work as see you 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 can obviously use it every day for for like everyday photography, but if you have a clear concept in mind or something like an art project that you want to do, then yes, for sure, it's it just gives a very interesting uh, look to it. But also, what exactly are you going to use it for? Because it can be used as as art, but blues and things that you never even existed in in the natural world. Uh, but it. it has a life just as that right so if you're if you're doing it for something like a commercial job then it's not really going to work for you uh but for what he did like you know it was this fantastic dreamlike world that he created with his with his film what sort of sort of digital workflow do you use what sort of steps do you consider in your workflow when you're when you're setting up say sort of yeah so i mean just the the first thing is obviously just making sure that everyone's clear on the brief and just having some good communication flowing between uh, the client and if there's an advertising agency involved and the agency, the producer, all of that needs to be on the same page. And that would be the first first step of getting things together with regards to workflow. But when talking about the exact shoot itself, you either shoot on the camera or you shoot tethered and uh, so shooting tethered is when you when you have a direct connection between the, the camera and your and your laptop and that tends to be like the easiest way of doing things i mean obviously not when you're running around taking like documentary photographs or anything like that but if it's for 90 percent of the commercial work that i do i would either be tethered to a laptop or at least tethered to a to, a, to an iPad because uh, that way you can see exactly what's going on. You can make adjustments on the fly of just making sure that the picture looks exactly like what it's supposed to be. You know, you can push your highlights, pull, pull your shadows up a little bit, just adjust the color tones, all of that, and just make sure that you are getting exactly what you want. Uh, and also with, uh, let's say, I, I use something called Capture One for my, okay. and in Capture One, you can do overlays. 
So if you're shooting for, let's say if it's a commercial shoot and you, you will have overlays of where it's going. So you would know, like when I was back in Sri Lanka, I used to shoot uh, lots of hotels and there we'd know where these images are going at the, at the end, like whether they're making magazine covers or whether they're going on a website. So we would get the overlays from the designer and be able to place the pictures at the shoot. Yeah. Just on, on your laptop itself while you're shooting. So it's not about photographing, importing, and then opening in Photoshop or Illustrator and then compositing and seeing what it looks like. This is live. Like you can just set yeah, up an wow. overlay yeah. directly in, into the overlay and making sure that all the elements are in place. And uh, I found that most people don't really understand that lots of professional photographers actually use their laptops uh, yeah. quite a bit. I'll, so, I'll, like, I'll say that I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah like like at a show did, hardly but, sitting, yeah, yeah like m- most people think that i you know like how do you see everything in this little screen on the, on the back of the camera and i actually had a, a student like last the last class i taught at foundry and i sent her a photograph or something or i sent a picture to the group and she was like oh that's how you guys do it like i didn't know that you had a laptop attached yeah uh, when you guys are at work so that's that's a big step because when you shoot tethered, you have so much more control. Yeah, you just make all your adjustments then and there. And Capture One works best at that. Like there are other capture software around, but that particular one is just fantastic. And I've been using it for, uh, I mean, can't remember the, like literally for more than 10 years. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, I didn't realize that that technology had been around for, for a decade now. That uh, Oh, yeah, it's, it's been around for ages because Capture One's the software of uh, Phase One, the, the, the Phase One cameras. Phase One's been around for quite some time and at the forefront of the digital capture world. And it's just that their cameras are crazy expensive and most people would be renting them. And I think they realize that there's a there's a bigger market of photographers out there who don't simply do not have the budget to be using a phase one camera, but could do with the software. And then they release the software for use with uh, other other brands. You know, they started really slowly, but it's caught on. And I would say, like most professional photographers, would use Capture One now. Uh, and it's you can use it like Lightroom, you know, to do your processing and things, as well as your actual capture of, of the photos. It's amazing. Wow. So yeah, workflow-wise, would be Capture would be like if it's on location without the laptop, then obviously just into the cards, and then immediately to back it up. Yeah. So once you get it on, like if you're shooting. On Capture One, it's already on your computer. It's not on the camera. Uh, but if you're shooting on the camera, then obviously first things uh, just to get it get it backed up on, onto a hard drive and all of that. And then I would use, I personally prefer using Capture for most of my work. So I would do my SIP on Capture One itself. So you just like load all the photos and you just run through. And then when they get back, I would work on the images. So color grading would be in Capture One and adjustments to exposure adjustments to highlight, you know, shadow recovery, highlight recovery, all of that. And then the last stage would be if there's any cleaning up to be done, you know, like like pixel level work would be in Photoshop. So obviously sort of using a raw format as opposed to yes. JPEGs yes. and stuff? Yeah. Yes, yeah, always on raw. Uh, and if I could just add one more thing, in practice, I find that lots of people who are getting into it are so excited about the photos they've taken and want to see it immediately or want to edit it immediately that they forego the workflow that, that it should be following and just you know jump around and do things. So that that's maintaining that really streamlined on your computer to make sure that then that 
each folder is given a name and i generally work with the date so for me it's always been like like since digital i think digital photography for me started in 2006 so since that time it's always been date because then when you have it on your computer you can just find it anywhere so it's always date and client or yeah. date and job or date and location or something like that but the date plays a really important part because then you can just find it and then you can even rename your files with just the name of the client and then once it's all backed up on a hard drive even a few years later if someone says oh you remember that shoot you know would you have the files with you it's just a matter of typing in the name of the client then you just have access to all your all your work so just uh, as much as your creativity and all that is very important having a bit of organization behind it yeah is super important yeah you can definitely um yeah never underestimate how important that actually is because yes. even um coming from a graphic design and a web background were exactly the same like you just need to be organized when you when you're doing Definitely. looking after your files yeah. and, and particularly backing things up and archiving yeah. and looking always. back to work it's yeah. always going to come in handy at some stage it is um, it is i mean it always is i mean you always find people like wanting stuff which they have not backed up and if you have it then that's you know, just so much better some very wise words there from dev at the end we mention it so often but it's not until you really need to find something and can't that good organization in your workflow hits home Most of us learn from our mistakes, but if you can get ahead in the game now, you'll save yourself worlds of pain later down the track. Create good habits from the onset. Anyway, that's all we have time for in this episode. Next time we'll be joining Matt Leach and photographer Alex Cerns for some advice on social media and building a profile around you as a photographer. Thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to seeing you next time. Some context please is produced by Foundry and executive produced by me, Adam Greve. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can find Foundry on Instagram at myfoundrylife. Foundry is an Australian creative school designed to bridge the gap between education and industry. We work with top creative leaders from all creative disciplines to design courses that help you find your passion and turn it into your career. To find out more about Foundry's current courses and upcoming intakes, visit foundry.com.au.